Welcome, everyone. This is episode 65 of the Solopreneur Grind podcast. I am here with Lissa from BigPicturePodcasting.com. Lissa, really appreciate you coming on the first ever live streamed Twitch event uh, edition of the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, well, thanks for having me. When you said that you were on Twitch, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, we, we were able to bond uh, offline due to that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll have to touch on that a little bit as well. But let's start with business. Always start with business. Uh, Alyssa, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and what big picture podcasting is? Sure. So um, I'm a podcast producer and marketer. And that's like my whole focus. That's like what gives me, you know, passion in work. Um, so a, about like, I'd say it's been six years ago, uh, I launched my first business, which was called Lensational Lissa. And that was more focused. I love wordplay. <laughs> that was more focused on um, like being a freelancer and um, just starting to get into solar solopreneur style um style stuff. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I can't talk today. It's a tough word. <laughs> it is. <laughs> uh, if I hadn't said it so many times due to the podcast and the blog, it, it's a tongue tire. Right. Yeah. So um, I got my start doing that. I did things like website design, social media. Um, and I really didn't use my podcasting skills then um, because prior to launching uh, my own business, I was a radio DJ and I also mm. did podcasting for like a, a big broadcast company. And um, one day they approached me and they were like, hey, do you think you could edit our sh uh, station's podcast? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll add that to the list of skills I'll never use again. Uh, well, that was a lie. <laughs> if only um, you knew. I know, right? I would have paid much more attention then. <laughs> but um, so what I did was I started editing their podcast and still did all the radio broadcast stuff. And then um, I realized that that wasn't like what I was passionate about. And so I was like, how can I turn this and all my skills that I have into a business? You know, I want to work for myself. I don't want to have to report to somebody. I don't want to, you know, have to get approval from a boss. Mm -hmm. um, so I did a lot of research into that. And I came up with like virtual assisting, launching your own business. And so I did that. And um, that was great. And then it just kind of morphed into, you know, weeding out what skills that I have that I can do and weeding out what skills that I have that I love to do. Right. So I, I, I feel like that's probably part of most of our journeys, right? Is you yeah. kind of start more general or you start more broad and, and over mm -hmm. time you kind of find your niche, we'll call it. Yeah. Yeah. Niching down. It took me like two years to really niche down into what I wanted to do. And then I just had to like figure out, you know, where can I take this and go from here? So that was like the last like six years of my life was really figuring out you know, what am I passionate about? What do I really love to do? And what can I, um, you know, market and make a profit off of in order to sustain the life that I want to lead? Got it. Really cool. I wanted to go into more details on pretty much each, each step of the journey. Mm -hmm. Let's start with while you were currently employed, can you talk a little bit more about how you took the leap from that to actually starting that first business on your own? Was it a quick decision? Was it a long decision? Was it, was it a quick transition? Was it a long transition? Sure. So I actually did it probably the wrong way. Um, one day I just woke up and I was like, man, I really don't like this job. I don't want to do it anymore. And I gave my two weeks notice. And so it was really a sink or swim moment in my life. And if I would have thought about it and looking back now, 
I would have taken time to like really get a side hustle going first and, you know, start building a business while I was still employed instead of like just going cold turkey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, so. I, I think there's actually pros and cons to both, right? Because mm-hmm. sure, you know, going the side hustle route is great. You probably sleep better at night uh, in the, you know, in, in terms of the short term and getting mm-hmm. things set up in the background and your finances, you know, are, are less at risk. But at the other end too, like the ripping the bandaid, that can be a really good way to motivate yourself really quickly because all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you're like wow I don't have a paycheck anymore I have to replace that ASAP Um, Mm -hmm. so why do you think like is that kind of your personality is that kind of how you approach things in general and then and then what were the first like three to six months like after you made that decision so normally I'm a very like weigh the pros and cons kind of thing but I think at that point in my life I was just like done and I needed a change immediately Mm -hmm. um it was it was more spur of the moment. Um, there's only been one other time in my life where I've done that, and that was my decision to switch colleges mid, like major. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, you know, that's kind of the only other time that I've done something so drastic. You know, where I've changed my whole life based on one decision, and um, I think that that was like a pivotal moment in getting to where I am today. So. Got it. That's kind of where I was with that. And what was the other part of the question? Because I like totally lost my train of thought. No, no problem. <laughs> I was I was actually going to expand on it anyways. So you you make this decision, but did you have any idea of what it was you were going to do? And then what were those first three to six months like? Because there, there's a little bit of a difference between saying, I'm going to quit my job and quitting your job. And then you're mm-hmm. like, okay, now what do I do? There's a little bit different when you're like, oh, you know what? Like I have these skills. I think I could start this business. I'm going to quit my job and start that business. Yep. So I, I had maybe a few days of that. I'm going to quit my job and use these skills, but I really just like, there was like two days leading up to when I quit, when I was like, what, what skills do I have? Cause I have a lot of skills. Like I speak seven languages. I do website design. Um, I do all these things and I just wasn't using those skills. And I was like, you know, I'm not happy what I'm, with what I'm doing. I need to change. I have all these skills. What can I do with them? And so I was like, you know what? The easiest thing would be to just do a little research. So I did a little research in the few days, like leading up to when I um, gave, like in that two weeks time from when I said I was quitting to when I was actually done. And I found out about like virtual assisting. <clears throat> and so um, I started with that and I started kind of like, um, doing web design. I did like customer service phone calls. I did all sorts of like little things in those first three to six months before I really like nailed down like, okay, I want to be a website design podcast person and that's what I'm going to do. So like those first three months, I was like just taking on a bunch of freelance gigs. I was doing, um, you know, stuff that was in my realm of genius, but it wasn't like what I was passionate about. Right. Can you go into a little bit more detail of even how you were able to, to get those first few clients in the door. Cause I find one of the biggest struggles for almost anybody who starts a business is getting those first paying customers. So I always love to dig into that. How did, how did you go about doing that? So I started interacting in a lot of like Facebook groups that were geared towards like freelancing and virtual assisting. And I found that what really worked well for me 
and this may or may not work for somebody else, is I offered my services at a lower price point than what was standard. So I started out really low at $10 an hour. And then I just built up those first few clients to where um, they were like, yes, I want to get in on $10 an hour. Cause you know, they, they too might've just been starting their business or didn't have, you know, the resources to pay somebody who, um, you know, had as many skills and a lot of already built up client testimonials. So they were like, okay, yes, we'll, we'll invest in you and we'll go hourly $10 an hour for this many hours. And so that's kind of mm-hmm. how I got my start with like getting clients in the door was I offered myself at a lower price point. I interacted and offered a lot of value advice in those Facebook groups that I was in. And that tactic actually still works for me today is going into a Facebook group and just offering like a lot of suggestions and advice. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And it's advice that um, you're far from the first guest I've had who's, who's done exactly that, which is as as specific as going into Facebook groups and just providing value. Like We've had dozens of guests on and probably at least one or two dozen of those guests said, well, like almost word for word, ex- exactly what mm-hmm. you did. So definitely leverage Facebook groups, other types of groups. I've tried like LinkedIn groups. I don't know about Mm you. LinkedIn, like the groups are kind of hit or miss. Uh, I've also found that Reddit can actually be decent uh, if you find the right subreddits and and Mm -hmm. are actually creating value. But yeah, Facebook groups are are great. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Lissa, what ends up happening with that business? Is this something you scale up? How long were you working it for before you kind of niche down even further into the podcasting world? So I did website, social media, um, freelancing about two years before I really niched down. Um, I had a client approach me and they were like, hey, I'm starting a podcast. Do you have any um, experience in this? And I was like, actually, I was in radio broadcasting um, for five years. And they're like, really? And I was like, yeah. So we got that going. And then all those skills kind of just came back to me. And I was like, wow, this is actually what I like doing now that I'm doing it for myself and not having mm-hmm. to answer to anybody. <laughs> so um, that's kind of work. That's when it really started to change into like niching down into, okay, instead of doing like all these customer service gigs and um, phone call gigs, office manager stuff, I'm really going to focus on like social media and podcasting. And so I kind of tweaked my marketing at that point. And then it wasn't until um, about a, uh, a year ago that I really honed in on the podcasting. So that's when we switched from Lensational to Big Picture. Got it. Can you talk about kind of that year of transition? Um, and I ask for a few reasons. Number one is like, I always want to dig into like how your company was doing, especially after a year or so you got consistent clients coming in. Were you kind of expanding? Was it still just you? And then what was it that kind of pushed you to make that formal transition, new company name, new branding? I mean, I, I love the website and we'll get into some more details on, on the website itself in a few minutes, but yeah, if you, if you could start with that, that would be awesome. Sure. So at the point of transition, I had already had two uh, subcontractors on my team and nice. that really allowed me to focus on what I was good at and also bring on some additional talent. Um, So when we went into the transition phase, it was actually because I was networking with this other lady and um, a lot of my clients and a lot of like people who I'm in the realm of, they're like, Hey, you really need to talk to Sheila. She, you know, she's just like you. She focuses on this. She does X, Y, Z. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I will. And I just kept pushing it off because, you know, Mm -hmm. as a busy person, you're always putting stuff 
for yourself aside and focusing more on your clients. At least that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And um, then it finally got to the point where we, we had a call and it just kind of like really clicked. Like within two hours of us talking, we had a business plan. We had like hmm. a website name. We had stuff already set up and it just kind of snowballed from there. So the transition from me working alone in a sense to me working now with a full team it really kind of happened within a couple of days um Hmm. we didn't have all of the all of the systems and all of the processes down right away um that actually took us about three to four months to really get a good system and a good flow going but the decision to like switch from okay it's just going to be me and my subcontractors to it's me another person and our team was like you know, a very, fairly quick turnover. Got it. And what was it like giving up the first business? Cause like at that point it'd been a few years, you have some, some con subcontractors, mm-hmm. uh, you have ongoing clients, you know, good reputation, testimonials, all that good stuff. Was it mm-hmm. a difficult decision to kind of, um, we'll call it let go. Did, did you just shut that down and, and go all in on, on the, on the new venture? So what I did was I approached my clients, I set up meetings with everybody and I was like, hey, um, as you've noticed, I've been focusing more on the podcasting aspect lately um, because I still had a few like social media and website clients. And I just told them, I was like, hey, you know, I'm really going to start focusing on this. I can continue to offer you services, um, but just know that we are switching over from this business to the next one. And you might not fit well with our new uh, mission and our vision and stuff like that. And so a lot of them were like, yeah, that's totally fine. And most of them um, stayed. One of them I did refer out to a fellow um, VA just because I felt like it wasn't a good fit anymore. And I wasn't going to be providing them with the quality of service I felt they deserved Mm -hmm. um, because I was focusing on like a new subject area. Right. Um, So then most of our clients did switch over. Um, By this point, I had already had like a lot of podcasting clients and stuff like that. So it was real easy transition. Um, And then when we decided to like get rid of the old business, what I did say was, you know, the website will stay up. Um, I'm not going to update it, but it's going to be there just in case like, you know, anybody ever happened upon it. Um, And then what I did was traffic. Right. Yeah. What I did was then I just like kind of um, redirected a lot of the links on there to go to the new place. Got it. Very cool. So it sounds like your second transition was planned for a lot more than than, than the first one. Which is, Definitely. <laughs> which is great to hear. Now, Lissa, was it difficult going into, did you form a partnership with, uh, with your now business partner? And, I did. And, and was that difficult? Because like it's, it's a lot different, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Starting a new business by yourself or starting it with yep. somebody else, it sounds like it actually went pretty smoothly and pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what that is like and maybe like the pros and cons of, of having a partner and not? Sure. So... Um, the, the transition was fairly smooth because we had a lot of the same qualities, which is why I think we were able to launch this so quickly. Um, the thing about me is I focus on like podcast production and marketing, and then Sheila focuses on podcast guesting and pitching. So we're like two relatively different worlds, but the, in the same realm. So that's when right. we came together and it really like made things like full circle. So that was a fairly easy transition to adjust to because, you know, I have my thing, she has her things. And then we kind of just meet in the middle to create like a, a great flow. Um, I think that learning to adjust like my train of thought, like instead of just like me, 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 it's now we, we, we uh, took me a little bit because I was like, 
okay, you know, I'm used to like talking about my business and now I have to say like our business Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, We do a lot of um, like calls every week. So her and I are like consistently working together, which works really well for us, especially because it's like a virtual business. We don't have like a brick and mortar office that we go to every day. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like that made the whole transisting um, from one to the other a lot easier. Got it. And how long ago did that take place? That was, um, it hasn't been a full year yet. So that was about nine months ago. Got it. And and so how have things been since then? They've actually been really well. Like I was kind of nervous about like giving up control of, you know, like every aspect of what the client process looks like but it's been going well. Um, there are times when we like bat heads over things. Like I'll say, okay, we need to go this route. And she'll be like, no, I really want to go this route. So it's a lot of learning to compromise, uh, doing what's best for your clients and your business. Um, but there hasn't been like a point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I hate this. It's been mm-hmm. really, really good. Awesome. That That's great to hear. And so it sounds like things kind of, you were able to hit the ground running as well, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're both probably bringing previous networks and clients and relationships. And so you said at one point as well, that it took about three to four months to kind of put processes in place and stuff like that. Can you walk Mm -hmm. us through exactly what you did and what you focused on? Because I know there's a lot of business owners and operators out there that don't have those processes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that in place. So what was it that the two of you prioritized or focused on? So we really focused on getting our website out there. Um, That took us about a month to build and I built it myself. Um, So it's still a work in progress because I'm never like, you're never happy with something, you know? Um, But then we also focused on like the client onboarding um, processes. So we invested in a couple different softwares to help make that easier. And then um, that's actually a process that's evolved along the way too, because you know, um, we wanted to make things as smooth as possible. So we automate a lot of things. And then like, we realized that we don't need all of those automations. So we condensed them down into what we really need, what works best. Mm -hmm. And so we set up, you know, accounting stuff. We set up, um, onboarding software, uh, scheduling software, you know, all these little different pieces. And then, um, as we went along, um, we kind of like, change that to where it works a lot better and then we cut our expenses too because (laughs) you know working in a partnership you always have to like split things and um, Mm -hmm. we work in an equal partnership so after all of the expenses are paid after our team's paid then we just split what's left so you know we really wanted to maximize that and so we were like okay let's look at different systems that we have you know what can we really condense and um, focus in on to eliminate some of those extra expenses Got it. Yeah, that that makes complete sense. Do you have any recommendations, like favorite software tool or anything that that you guys have really loved? Uh, yeah. You know, good value. So I have two that we um, that works really well for us. One is Dubsado. It's kind of like an all-in-one CRM. Um, we send mm-hmm. all of our proposals through it. We do all of our scheduling through it. Uh, we do all of our invoicing through it as well because it connects to like Stripe, Square, PayPal, all How of do you those spell good that? things. It's D U B. S-A-D-O, Dubsado. Oh, wow. I've never even heard of that. Interesting. I'll have to take a look. It's very handy, especially for freelancers or solopreneurs. Um, It's also great for some businesses too. There's a lot of um, things that you can put on automation there. So like our whole client um, process is within that system and Hmm. it works really well for us. Um, The other thing that we really like is uh, Simplero and that is 
a, um, I don't know what I would classify it in. It does email broadcasts, newsletters, uh, membership courses, um, all sorts of uh, landing pages, stuff like that. Oh, wow. um, so we use that. We used to use lead pages, but then when we found Simplero, we're like, okay, well it does this. So we don't, we don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of like the condensing that I was talking about earlier. Right. Very cool. I, I haven't, I've, I've tinkered around with plenty of software lately. I haven't heard of either of those. So I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm interested. I'll have to look them up uh, after. Yeah. Awesome. So Lisa, we, we have to spend some time talking about, of course, podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, what, like, what was it do you think that initially kind of drew you to it? And, and like, where does that kind of passion stem from? So I've always been one for um, creativity, journalism, broadcasting. And I just never really focused on it because you're always told like, you know, go to college, get a degree, get a job that's going to pay you a million dollars, you know, and nobody really explained to me that I could choose other things outside of a nine to five. So when I was in broadcasting, I really liked that a lot. I was an on-air DJ. It was great, but the money wasn't there. And so I just really took those skills and transferred them into, you know, business. And I think when I really looked at what skills I have and what skills that made me happy, I think that's where podcasting and um, that really stood out to me because it's work that I feel doesn't feel like work. Right. Which is kind of the key when, when yeah. you, when you have that feeling, you know, you're onto something. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some general comments on, we'll call it like the general podcast landscape right now? Cause I think it's been a really interesting decade for podcasting, right? Mm-hmm. Where it really like exploded and now there's so many but there's also so many people listening. Like what are your general thoughts on podcasting kind of as a medium in general? So I think that it's really in, um, in its stage where people are now used to the idea. I mean, it's been around for about 10, 12 years, maybe even longer, but it wasn't very mainstream yet. It, now I feel mm. like people listen to it in their cars. I know there's a new car coming out this year that you can actually like, listen just to podcasts instead of having to like hook up, Mm. you know, your device to it. Um, So I really feel that now is the time for podcasting and I don't feel that it's going to go away anytime soon. Um, I feel like people are listening to them more, especially with what's going on in the world. You know, you're not able to get out very much, um, that kind of thing. And it's a way to like, I don't know, kind of like an audio book. You would listen to it as like pastime or, um, you know, just something that is a hobby or interests you. And I think that people are now seeing it as, okay, I can use this as a tool for my business. I can use this as a marketing strategy. Um, I can use this to get clients. So it's kind of evolving in itself to where before it might not have been so much for business, more for, you know, hobby, pleasure, that kind of thing. And now it's like, okay, people are realizing that this is just another way to get visible and, you know, grow their business. Got it. So what do you tell people when they come to you and say, Lisa, I'm interested in starting a podcast. Maybe they have like a vague idea or a semblance mm-hmm. of an idea. Like what's, what's the first thing you usually tell them or first couple things? <laughs> so I tell them it's a lot more work than they're thinking of because mm-hmm. people don't realize how much work goes into a podcast. They think I hit record, I upload it and you're done. When, I mean, yes, you could do that, 
but that's not going to be as great as if you record, edit, make some graphics to go with it, publish it, share it. You know, there's a whole long line of things that you should do in order to get a podcast going successfully rather than just like, okay, I want to start a podcast. I recorded an audio and now I'm going to post it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get a lot of clients who just think that it's that simple, which that's what I do for them. I make it that simple. So that's all they have to do. But there's a lot of stuff in the background that they don't think of like, you know, how do I get it on iTunes or where do I get my RSS feed? You know, they don't think of all those little details because they don't know about those little details yet. Right. And are there big differences in terms of approaching a podcast as an individual? So for example, I have this podcast, it's a passion project. Solopreneur Grind is kind of like my, you know, side blog Mm -hmm. hustle thing, no monetization, anything like that versus a business that says, Hey, we want to start a podcast. We want to attract customers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So the only difference that I would think of right off the bat is the way you go about publishing it, posting it, and um, putting in those monetization tools, like p- getting people into your funnels and stuff. Um, if you are doing it just for fun and you're not looking to make any money off of it, it's just like an outlet for you for creativity, then you don't need things like an opt-in page or a funnel or you know a website per se for it. But if you're looking at it from a business standpoint and you're thinking, how can I make money off this? The one thing I always say is you're not going to for at least six months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and people are like, what, why? Well, how can I, you know, okay, listen, you're not going to make any money because you're a new podcaster. People are needing to hear from you and really connect with you before they're even going to spend money with you. It's, it's like any business, you know, you're not just going to have instant clients. And if you have instant clients, that's great, but make sure they're a great fit for you because not everybody is going to. And mm-hmm. so I really try to explain that, you know, when you're just starting out, you're not going to be turning a profit off of this. You're going to be putting it out there as like a content value, a resource, you know, that kind of thing to get people listening and get in front of your audience. And then when you're ready for that monetization, that's when you can start making money off of it. Um, it. I would recommend doing things like an opt-in, you know, a freebie, a tripwire offer to get them into your eventual big programs or whatever it is that your goal is, whether it be selling or, um, you know, just getting more, more visibility. For sure. So, so let's say someone says, you know what, I know what I want to do. I'm willing to put in some time and effort. I want to get started. Mm-hmm. What do you recommend? Like, so I've been running mine for a, about a year and a half now. And, and I like to say that I'm pretty good at like finding the happy medium between being a little bit lazy, but making it good enough. So like I edit but I don't do a very big edit. I post Mm -hmm. on social, but like, I don't make the most beautiful visuals, stuff like that. Um, What do you recommend? Like, cause you can get started super quickly and cheaply. And at the other end of the spectrum, I mean, you could spend hours prepping and editing and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. How do you suggest people kind of get started or even get those first few episodes out there? So what I recommend is spending a little bit of time putting it together. So I always say launch with three to five episodes because think of it as a Netflix series or a Hulu series. Mm -hmm. If you listen to one episode, you might think, yeah, that was kind of cool. I kind of liked it, but I'm not going to subscribe because I don't know yet. Now, if they have something that they can binge on, then they're going to be like, 
okay, I really know that I like this and I'm going to subscribe. Mm -hmm. So I always say, you know, have three to five episodes to launch. Um, Make sure that you're linking it to the proper places, like set it up on iTunes, set it up on Google, send it to all of those good places. Um, The other thing that I say is, you know, really think about who you're putting this out for because anybody can just stand up on a soapbox and talk, you know, but the difference between that and targeting who you're talking to is knowing your message for yourself. So mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you really think about that before you start recording. Um, so those are the two tips that I give people, you know, really think about your message and what you're saying and putting out there and then don't launch until you have three to five episodes. Um, I also right. recommend like, um, you know, making sure your audio sounds great. You don't have to have a professional microphone to get started. You can mm-hmm. use like a $20 one off of Amazon. You know, you don't have to invest hundreds in it because that's what one of the big questions that I get is, is, you know, what kind of microphone do I need? And I, I will tell them, I'm like, okay, well, let's look at this. You know, what kind of money do you have for a microphone? And they're like, well, you know, I've got a lot of expenses and I don't have money for a microphone. Okay, great. Well, let's look for a solution. You know, does your computer microphone sound good when you record it? No. Okay. Well, let's look at Amazon and let's find one that's in a decent price range for you. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, it doesn't have to be Amazon. It could be anywhere. And then, you know, I also say like, okay, now think of the, this way. Um, you've got this little microphone now and down the road, you may want to invest in a better one. And then people are like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. So that's one of the tips that I give people is, um, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money to start a podcast. It just really depends on your goals, what you want to do with it and your whole purpose behind it. Yeah, I I think it's really good advice. The first, I think like four or five of my episodes, I actually used the headset I got with my Android phone (laughs) because it was surprisingly good. Like not Mm -hmm. great, but it was pretty good. And then once it kind of like once the podcast stuck and I knew that I would stick to it, I I spent a few hundred bucks. Actually, I can, if for anyone watching, I, I got like this Rode, uh, mm-hmm. USB microphone, which I've really liked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you kind of like testing the waters too, right? Mm-hmm. Because heck, you might do three episodes and say, you know what, this isn't for me or, you know, yep. whatever reason. Uh, so I really like that. Uh, awesome. So let's flip. I, I want to kind of cover two more general topics. One is guesting, uh, because I know you guys offer that service and mm-hmm. super important, super relevant these days. And then kind of what your focuses are on, on growing your own business right now. Why don't we touch on guesting first? I know you offer those services and we will link to uh, Lissa's website in the description. You can check out all the services they offer. Her pricing is right there. It's nice and clear. I love that. Um, What, like, I'm assuming that's only really become an industry as of like in the last decade since podcasts became so popular, right? Is helping people become guests on other podcasts. Mm -hmm. How did that come to fruition? And I guess, what's the approach there? Like, can you explain that? Some people might not even know that's a service that's out there. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. Um, They, Mm -hmm. they think that, that they have to do all this on their own, but I mean, there's probably a service for anything you can think of. If it's, if it's a talent or it's something that needs to be done, there's going to be somebody who can do it for you. Mm-hmm. So um, with podcast guesting though, the big difference between doing it yourself and, or hiring somebody to do it for you is think of it as the approach. You could say, Hey, I want to be on your podcast and send a bunch of cold pitches out. Or 
you could have like a professional company say, Hey, I've got a great person for your podcast. And it kind of just gives you a, an air of importance. Um, the other thing too, is when you're sending out all your cold pitches, it takes a lot of time. Um, if you do it mm-hmm. the right way, a lot of people will just send the same thing over and over, but that's not going to stand out to a podcaster. What's going to stand out is actually taking time to listen to their podcast, get to know their audience a little bit, you know, sending your, your one sheet, your media kit, along with your pitch, that's going to stand out a lot more than just somebody who said, Hey, I want to be on your podcast. Here's generics about me. So that's like right. the difference. And that's what um, we help our clients with is we, we create this beautiful one sheet. And that's just like a, um, for anybody who doesn't know the term, that is just like basically one page about you, what you're talking about, your skills. Um, it it's like a resume, but for podcast guests. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we put that together. We then listen to targeted podcasts. So we're not just going to put like a dog groomer on an animal podcast or a dog groomer on a cat podcast. We're actually looking for something that we feel is going to accept their message and really benefit them. So, um, you know, if it was a dog groomer, we would put them on like AKC or, um, you know, tips for grooming your your pets or something like that. Something specific to their niche and what they're really focusing on. Um, another thing with guesting is you want to make sure that you do follow up. So a lot of people will get on a podcast and then that's it. They're done. But you want to make sure that you go back. You still engage with that audience. Um, maybe you comment on the podcast, you share it with your audience and just kind of nurture those listeners a little bit. Um, it's really easy just to get on podcasts and then be done. But what's going to make you stand out from somebody else is, what you do afterwards. Are you just like hitting it and quitting it? Or are you, you know, spending a little time with it? So Mm -hmm. that's what I recommend to just anybody who's in podcast guesting or looking to get on podcast is, you know, try to engage more. Don't just like promote yourself, talk about yourself, you know, talk about things that are going to resonate with that audience. So really just kind of focus on that. I, I totally agree, especially as someone who get like I get outreach from guests every mm-hmm. week now at this point. And the messages that stick out the most far and away are the ones that say, hey, Josh, I love your show. I just listened to this episode and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Really? You know what? It doesn't even matter what it is. Even <laughs> if they like they could refer reference an episode that didn't even happen. But mm-hmm. if, the, if they, you know, put in that extra effort, like I've also had on the other end of the spectrum, people reach out and spell my name wrong. Right. Or like, or like, Hey, Michael. Right. Right. Um, And it's like, clearly this person's just copy and pasting. Now, if they still have an interesting enough bio, like, yeah, I I might follow up, but the people who put in the extra effort, it's like night and day. The the other advantage list I'm curious about for using a service like you is Mm -hmm. you already have established relationships with some podcast hosts, right? Mm -hmm. So if I were to go out and do it on my own, I it's, it's cold outreach. Whereas I'm sure you're still doing some cold outreach to podcasts mm-hmm. that maybe you've never put guests on before. Yep. Um, but you can go back to other podcast hosts that you've worked with and say, hey, by the way, we also we have this new person, uh, Lorne, right now. One of, uh, one of my good friends, Lorne, is viewing live uh, on <laughs> Twitch. Lorne, appreciate it. We're not talking about grooming pet tips. Uh, you were talking about <laughs> pets and, and Lauren has a cat, um, but we will take related questions on podcasting and business and stuff like that. But I'm assuming, Lisa, you guys over time build up a network mm-hmm. of these podcast hosts so so it makes the outreach much quicker. Yes, definitely. So I call it my digital Rolodex. Um, we've got, because I've been doing this now for 
almost 10 years, it'll be 10 years in August that I've been doing podcasting, radio, that kind of thing. And so I have all these connections, all these people that I've worked with or interact with or gone to conferences with, you know, meetups and stuff like that, that those are those people that I, that I go to first. They're like my warm audience, like you said. And, you know, yes, we do still do cold outreach because maybe there's a great podcast out there that I haven't interacted with yet. Mm -hmm. So um, that's another benefit to, to working with a service service like us is they already have all those nice warm connections, those, those instant yeses that they've built up over the years and really nurtured. So like you said, it's a, it's a difference between, you know, somebody doing it on their own or investing in a service. I have one more question when it comes to guesting, what do you recommend? I don't know if there's like a proper answer or way around this, but if I'm trying to guest on other people's podcasts, obviously the really successful and like, you know, successful busy ones Mm -hmm. are often only booking for like months out. What do you recommend? Like, let's say, let's just, this is a total hypothetical. Let's say I have like an ebook and it's launching in three weeks. I don't, but I think it's a good example. Mm -hmm. And I want to promote it within the next three or four weeks. And you want to try and get on really big podcasts, but they're all booking like two, three months in advance. Do you have any like tips or suggestions on like, is there a workaround there or is that just kind of the reality? That's kind of the reality. A lot of podcasters, they'll schedule their interviews out. Um, It's called batching. And so it's just to help the podcast process go a lot smoother. So when Mm -hmm. we're working with podcasters, we recommend that they batch, you know, if they're a weekly podcast, batch three, four episodes and, Mm -hmm. you know, be booked out. Um, So that's kind of just the reality. A lot of podcasters do that. Now the benefit to networking and being in podcasting groups or working with a service like ours is that if there's a cancellation, that's when your ticket in quicker than normal is going to be. Uh. So if you're a podcaster or if you are interested in being on podcasts, there's a lot of great social media groups, whether it be Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest mm-hmm. that you can get into and just keep an eye out for those. Um, that's, the benef- that's how you ended up on this show right now, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's how I started mine was, well, once I decided I wanted to start mine and I knew I wanted to interview other business people, I just joined a couple Facebook groups mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, started asking for guests. And ever since that, I think I made one post and I had enough to get me like 10 or 20 guests and it just launched the show. And from there it's just been referrals and inbound and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. exactly. uh, Awesome. So Lisa, I want to spend the last few minutes. Let's go back to your business, right? You are this successful solopreneur, now entrepreneur, you have a partner. Um, What do you think are some of the keys to the success that you've had up up till now? And, And I'm also interested to hear kind of what your focus on, uh, is what your focus is on these days in order to maintain and, and grow your business? So keys to getting to a successful point. Um, it took me a while to figure out uh, income versus expenses and really getting to that balance to where all of my income wasn't being expensed. Um, that took longer than I would like to admit. Um, that was like a, a two two and a half year process <laughs> to really get to the point to where I was like, okay, now I'm making a profit and I can actually like pay myself. Mm-hmm. Um, another uh, thing that really was a turning point in being a um, solopreneur was knowing when it's time to ask for help. Um, everybody likes to do it themselves. They like to, you know, uh, be this great thing that can just keep running and running. 
but a well-oiled machine doesn't work if it doesn't have all the parts. So if you are, you know, great at doing something, that's amazing. But there's probably something that you're a little less great at. You're not, you don't have to be bad, but you're a little less great at. Like for mm -hmm. me, that's designing like the back end of a website. I'm great at putting a podcast together and putting it on a website, but I'm not as great at building that website. So that's when you really need to think of, okay, how can I get to the point where everything's great? And that's when I started to add people to the team. So that would be probably my biggest tip is knowing what you're good at and not stretching yourself too thin and knowing when to bring on additional help. Got it. That's really good advice, uh, actionable too, which is what's most important. And, and so where do you go from here? Like what, what are you focused on right now? What do you think the keys to success are for you and your company in the next three to five years? So um, we're actually focusing on not only being done for you services, but done with you. So we're taking mm -hmm. all of our years of experience and we're putting it out in like course form, like teaching people how to do something. So um, every month we offer a small course and whether that be free or paid, um, it kind of just goes back and forth. And then we offer a um, academy called Podcast Pro Academy. And that's where we do like these longer courses, you know, they're four a week, five week, you know, eight week courses where we teach you how to do something. We hold your hand, we do it with you, but you're still getting those skills to where instead of having to pay for recurring services, now you can go do it on your own. So awesome. um, that's kind of what we're focusing on. We still do a lot of the done for you, but now we're working with like the coaching aspect, the done with you services. Um, and I really feel that in the next three to five years, we're going to have a great network of students. Like right now we're only at um, about 15 students regularly and we do get mm -hmm. a lot more that come in um, on our, on our free courses. But um, I think in the next three to five years, we're going to have like a really big network of all these people who've taken the course and it, they do it successfully. And that's what I would really like to see um, because prior to all this radio podcast stuff, I wanted to be a teacher. And now I'm like combining that past dream into what I'm doing now. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's a great kind of overlap and, uh, and uh, combination of, of, of two skills that will work really well, help scale as well, right? You can scale mm -hmm. those online courses yep. much easier than some of the services that we provide. Uh, awesome. Lisa, this was really great. We, we have had some consistent viewers throughout the stream. So we'll, we'll get to a short live Q and a, and I'll shout out to all of our new followers and everything like that. I do want to ask you one and a half more questions. Uh, my last question is, What's one or two things you would tell somebody right now who's thinking about taking that first step into solopreneurship? Uh, any, you know, kind of can be more specific or more general kind of pieces of business or, or even mm -hmm. just life advice. So like I mentioned earlier in the interview, I felt like I didn't spend enough time on the whole process from switching from a job to being a solopreneur. Um, so I would really advise people to take time to do that. Um, I felt like look when I was like already six months into the business, there was stuff that I should have done at the first part. So, you know, I, I didn't have, um, you know, like an accountant working on things. I didn't even use QuickBooks or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was just like, okay, save that receipt in my email, you know, and mm -hmm. <laughs> that made it really hard to do I my taxes. That phase also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so if I would have spent re time researching the proper systems to put in place or, you know, um, what a contract should or should not have in it, that kind of thing. I feel like 
it wouldn't have taken me so long to get to where I am today. I feel like things would have gone a lot smoother. And that's something that you could have, that I could have done when I was still like making money and not stressing about it mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of just like going cold turkey. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the biggest kind of questions. And one of the topics I always ask about in depth on the show is like that transition point where you go from full-time employee to not full-time mm-hmm. employee because it's so important. Yeah. So re- really good advice. Uh, Lisa, thanks again. This has been awesome. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you or your company or your services? Yeah. So um, across the board, we're Big Picture Podcasting. So that's Instagram, Facebook, um, bigpicturepodcasting.com. You can connect with me on um, any of those platforms and I'd be happy to chat with you, whether it's you're interested in our services or you want to, you know, just get some advice. I'm a big person um, about, you know, offering that advice because I feel like everybody has a unique story to tell. They just might not know how to tell it yet. So um, I just, I enjoy helping people. So don't hesitate because you're like, oh man, she sells a service and I I don't, I can't invest in that right now. It's okay. Still connect with me. I'm, I'm not snobby. (laughs) I will talk to you. (laughs) Awesome. That's great to hear. We will link to all of that stuff, the socials and the website in the description, no matter where you are listening or watching to this on. Lisa, thanks again. We're going to get to a quick live Q&A now that we are streaming this on Twitch. So if you're listening after the fact, make sure to follow us at ShackSG. I'll have a link to that in the description as well. Uh, because for now, all future guests, you guys can tune in live and, and ask your own questions as well. Lisa, thanks again for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. Hey everyone, Josh here, checking in just one last time. Wanted to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. And if you want to keep getting more of the Solopreneur Grind content, make sure to join the email list. What I do is send three emails a week with additional content, such as what's going on in the background of my Solopreneur journey, insights I'm having on business, and updates when new podcast episodes like these come out as well. It's free. It always will be. The link to join is in the description of whatever podcast platform you're listening this to on. Really hope to have you on the list and continuing to share these awesome solopreneur journeys and insights with you as well. Have a great day and hope to see you soon.